Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Burchard as he preached from the lectionary, which was Micah 6, 1-8, 1 Corinthians 1, 18-31, and Matthew 5, 1-12. As always, you can find more information about All Souls or sermons by All Soulsians on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Memphis, Tennessee sits at the crossroads of the American South. Sighted along the Mississippi River, Memphis has long been a stop for goods that traveled that river highway, for good and for ill. On the other side of the Mississippi River from Memphis, right across what you can see is Arkansas. And down the road, just a piece, is the Mississippi Delta. Railroads and interstates intersect in what is known as the Bluff City. For more than a century, Memphis was a center for distribution for the South. And it was for this reason that in 1927, Sears Roebuck chose to build an enormous 10-story, 15-acre distribution center that they called Sears Crosstown. For decades, Sears Crosstown was a defining building for the city of Memphis, really actually for the whole region. But as the fortunes of Sears began to decline, so did the need for vast distribution centers like Sears Crosstown Memphis. And so in 1993, Sears eliminated all the remaining jobs and shut down the Crosstown. This giant building went completely vacant. And in time, it was joined by many other buildings going vacant in the surrounding Midtown neighborhood. For decades, the Crosstown stood. Windows shattered, ceilings collapsing. It became a a symbol of the economic hardship of many Memphians and a crushing reminder of what was no longer. This week has been another crushing reminder for the people of Memphis and for all Americans. As we heard about and then saw the brutal beating of Tyre Nichols, a 29-year-old black man who was beaten and essentially left for dead by Memphis police officers. Like many of you, this news was yet another blow in a week that witnessed three mass shootings in our state, two of them in our diocese, one in Half Moon Bay and one in Oakland. And so it's been a week when I have found it all too easy for despondency and despair to deaden my heart. A week when I've questioned whether change is even possible. And a week where I've wondered where God is 
in all of this. And the devastating news of this past week is also why I am grateful for the teachings of Jesus the Christ and even of Apostle Paul this morning. Let's begin with this passage from Matthew's Gospel, this list of those who are blessed, of those who are unburdened, who are at peace, those who have dignity and respect. It's a vision that forms the first public teaching of Jesus, and it's kind of a, the, the thesis statement of Matthew's Gospel. And it begins with what will be a characteristic of this gospel of reversal, as we hear that it's the poor, the sorrowful, the persecuted. These are the ones who are blessed. And I find it to be so important for us to hear today, to trust that we can lean into it today. Because Jesus is telling us that in the places where we think blessing is least likely, that's where God is already at work. In the places that we think blessing is least likely, that is where God is already at work. And often at work in ways that we find to be foolish and impossible. For our world holds little regard for those who create peace, those who show mercy, those who are meek. And yet Jesus tells us this is where we will find God's realm breaking in. So often, though, uh, it can be difficult to place our trust here. We look around the world and we wonder, really? Is this true? It's just this tension that the Apostle Paul was wrestling with in his letter to those early Christ followers in Corinth. Apparently, he had heard stories about some of the members of the community trying to hold power over and against others in the community, and Paul was trying to put an end to it. And so he writes to those Corinthians, just as he writes to us, that the power of God does not come from position. The power of God doesn't come through strength or even from wisdom. The power of God, the scandalous power of God, is known in a Christ who is willing to be handed over to death, a death which he did nothing to deserve, but a death he was willing to endure to witness that the only true source of power is self-giving love. And this is a power that is almost always seen 
by the ways of this world as impossible and foolish and weak. But for us who have come to believe, it is the life of all that is. My hope this week also lies in Memphis, Tennessee. Because along with the deep pain and the anger, Memphis is also a place of remarkable, foolish, powerful hope. Last week I was in Memphis with Alyssa Newton, the other co-author of our book. We'd been invited to teach with the Diocese of West Tennessee and to facilitate a a leadership retreat for one of their congregations. And as part of our time there, Alyssa and I were interviewed at a community radio station, WXYR, as part of Bishop Phoebe Rofe's show called Faithfully Memphis. In the United States, it's only in the South where an Episcopal bishop would be invited to host a weekly morning drive time radio show. And so this is how I was introduced to the Crosstown building in Memphis, Tennessee. You see, the Crosstown building stands vacant no more. After two decades of vacancy and decay, a small group of Memphians, including an artist, a developer, a historian, and a doctor slash minister, well, they had a vision. Their vision was that the Crosstown, in their words, could be resurrected. And not just as anything, but as a vertical urban village populated by physicians, artists, musicians, educators, and entrepreneurs. Many, many people thought that they were foolish. For all they saw was death and little hope for life. But this small group persisted, and they brought together leaders of communities. They pooled public funds and private funds, and in August of 2017, 90 years to the day after the original Crosstown was built, the new Crosstown was rebuilt, and it has a community health center, church health, as its foundational partner. But these words about a vertical urban village, they're not just words. I can testify to their truth because in addition to church health and WXYR, in the crosstown you'll find small businesses like uh, the Global Cafe, which is a cafe that is staffed by immigrants and refugees who cook dishes from their home countries. And you'll find Mama J's, a bakery that is worked by folks who've lived on the streets. You'll find art studios. You'll find a theater. You'll find a YMCA. You'll find a recording studio. You'll find the Memphis Listening Lab, which is a vinyl listening library just devoted to the Memphis sound. And you'll find a high school. They put a high school in the building. And so as we were talking about uh, on the radio show about why we have hope for community, we see these high school kids running to class because like high school kids everywhere, they were late. <laughs> Alyssa and I were astonished 
we had this revelation, this revelation, this realization, actually kind of a conversion experience at the same time. Because we realized that if you're going to be where the inbreaking of heaven is happening, and it's happening at Crosstown in Memphis, you'll also be close to mourning and hunger and persecution. And it will seem impossible and foolish and weak. But I can witness to you that it is real and it is where we need to be. Because the same faith that looks at 10 stories of decay and sees the creative possibility of overflowing community is the same foolishness of the cross that we are each implored to take up. It's what you might call the blessing of being proximate. As Christians, we are called to live lives that expose us to these times of pain and heartache. Because Jesus teaches us that that's where God is. It's why Jordan Court exists. It's why we're entering into the Isaiah Project. Even when we see no solutions, maybe especially then, it is our responsibility to be present, to get close to those things, to trust in the foolishness of love, and to be present and ready for God to show up.